0: Welcome to College Soccer
1: Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Matt Mott. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott.
2: Welcome in to College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott. We are here on a uh, cold day, Chris, in, in Oxford. I'm bringing Chris Uh I think winter is finally is finally coming upon us. Uh, it's a cold day here, but we I think we have a great show. Um, Chris, how are you tonight? I'm
1: good, Matt. It's cold here in Dallas as well. It's quite cold. I a- um, had a nice uh, nice Thanksgiving meal. How about you? I did as well. A delicious,
2: delicious Thanksgiving meal prepared by my uh, brother and our also our uh, producer Darren Darren Mott and his wife did a wonderful job. I smoked a turkey. It was uh, it was fantastic.
1: Oh, great, great. Yeah. And you watched the uh, you and you and Darren had a little uh, back and forth on Cowboys and the Washington Football well,
2: Team. It wasn't that much back and forth as the kind of the game went. The Redskins uh, did quite well. It's nice to see him win on on uh, you know the last time I I saw them win I think on. Thanksgiving I was actually at the game at Cowboy Stadium I went in and, and I was watching our other brother Danny who we don't talk about much but uh, he actually has season tickets to the Cowboys so uh, we got to go my son Dean and I went with my with Toddy the picker and his son and we had a, a great time and you know, it was a one it was a wonderful wonderful game uh, I thought on Thanksgiving for uh, first time in a long time fourth
1: place schedule shooting for the fourth place schedule. Yeah, yeah you know.
2: he has. You know, he's got to end up on the winning side, one way or another. If he wins, he's happy. If he loses, he's happy. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, hey, uh, great show tonight. Uh, obviously, we've got the big deal of Brian Lee, but we also have uh, Mark Francis as our guest tonight from the University of Kansas. Looking forward to talking to him. Think he'll do a, a great job. He's uh, he's done really well there at Kansas, and certainly looking forward to chatting with him.
1: Yeah, no, he'll be great. I'm I'm sure he'll be great. He's uh, he's done such a great job over the years at, at Kansas, and he's got a lot of good stories, and uh, he'll be he'll be fun to to talk to for sure. So, listen, um, guess what I got to
2: do tomorrow, Chris? What's that? I gotta put my mailbox back up. So, someone knocked my mailbox over. I had to take it to a welding company. Wait, get wait it. a second. Wel- wait, let's get yeah. to someone
1: knock my mailbox over. Like, what, 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 what does that mean?
2: Well, I, I, we think our neighbor hit it with a car, didn't yeah. admit to it, broke the kind of plate. Off. It's like a big metal, heavy, heavy, yeah. heavy mailbox. Yeah. So then it was kind of leaning. I don't know if kids went by and pushed it over, but you know, if your mailbox isn't there, they won't deliver your mail. Oh, yeah. So I've got, I got three days left before. I, no, you got to go to the post office to get it, but they only do it for so long. So I got three days left. I got to get it up. So I took it to a welding shop. And now I got to get it put back in. So I got a project.
1: Uh, yeah, I think a project. It's,
2: it's a. I think it's a thirty minute project. But you know how these projects yes. go, right? Yeah. Thirty,
1: 30 minutes or 30 minutes or, hours. Yeah. I got a good uh, a, a good story about that about about a mailbox at my house. If uh, if you want to hear it. Yeah. Sure. Um, when uh, my daughter first started driving, we had a sto- like a brick mailbox, you know, like a stone mailbox. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. I uh, remember in, it actually in Texas. That's right, at the house yeah. out in Lake yeah. Travis. And uh, I was at a Christmas party. My wife and I had just got there. And the phone rings. And it's my daughter Gabby on the phone. And she's hysterically crying. And she basically backed out of the driveway and knocked down this brick mailbox. Oh. I mean, smashed it. I mean, absolutely smashed <laughs> How it. How
2: fast was she going out of the I driveway? Know, right? Was she driving the damn F-150
1: truck? Yeah, like, exactly. Holy cow. So... You know, that was at night and all that. We got home. I saw it was down. The next morning, I go out there, and there are stones all over the front yard. I mean, everywhere. So she comes walking out, right? And she's as embarrassed as she can be that she knocked this thing down. She's maybe 17 at the time. And she says to me, uh, hey, you going to pick that up? <laughs> <laughs> You know, she did not want the stones all over the place so yeah, somebody right. can see it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, someone's going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got it tomorrow, so
2: I got to dig a hole tomorrow. So you know, I got beebs. You know, I got Biebs. Oh. You know, I got Biebs. He's, so you're so not really digging the hole. Biebs will be digging the hole. Well, he'll be helping. You know, he'll yeah, be, i made sure. brains. He's <laughs> gonna dig the hole. We got to put some concrete in there. I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a big job we got coming up. Oh, no, huh? yeah, that'll, that'll be, be fun. Yeah, be pretty be nervous.
0: How
1: about this? How about this? How about all this stuff with uh, Vanderbilt and the kicker? Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, Sarah Fuller, Fuller the goalkeeper yeah. on, on their team, who um, the last team to beat Vanderbilt was who? Oh Miss Rebels. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you guys scored against her, right? We did, twice. Yeah. yeah. Twice, yeah. Yeah. So she now, she, uh, Vanderbilt needed a kicker. They had all their kickers in COVID and called her up, and she goes out and. Supposed to kick in the game, but Vanderbilt doesn't score. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she t- gets a kickoff, you know, and yeah. that kind of thing. But uh, kind of a you
2: know kind of a cool moment, don't you think? It well, you know I sat and I was sitting there Saturday, really by myself, watching the game. And I think a whole lot of people tuned in to Vanderbilt versus Missouri that maybe wouldn't have to see if she was going to kick. And I did. I watched the whole game, and you know it was pretty cool when she she came out for the kickoff, and and um, definitely a cool moment and. You know, I think it got a lot of publicity. Um, but, you know, I, as I was watching it, I thought this is pretty cool. We're watching history, you know, and yeah. COVID has brought a lot of things, a lot of things to the country and most of them negative. But at that moment, I thought that was
1: kind of cool. So, um, yeah. yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, here's what it is for me. Like these uh, players that we deal with are really talented athletes. Yeah. And not too many people know that. We know it right? Because sure. we deal with them all the time, but um, not too many people get a chance to see it. They don't know it. And and certainly the average college football fan doesn't know it. Right. right. And I thought what a, you know, sort of a great moment for, for every college soccer player out there, a uh, women's college soccer player that, um, you know, one of them gets to kind of show that, hey, look what we can do, you know, look, mm-hmm. look what we're capable of doing. And now, now I, I will say this and, and not to take anything away from her, but I think we've all had players who, could probably really kick the ball really well. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean if you remember back to Casey Moore, like oh, God, she could yeah. thump yeah. a ball, you know? And um, you know, so I'm saying like there are a lot of people that, you know, that probably could do this, but she got the opportunity and she stepped right up and and um and certainly did did her job. And it was interesting to me they asked her to, you know, kind of hit sort of a squib kick, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little line drive and and as I watched her hit it, you know, the technique in kicking a football is different than kicking the soccer ball right because you got to get the ball up so fast right i mean you're yep. seven or eight yards away on an extra point and got these guys who jump up with their arms in the air they're six foot five and where you know a goalkeeper taking a goal kick is you know 12 yards away from everybody standing outside the 18 and the ball is a little bit more driven so the the technique is a little bit different but they they let her sort of use her technique that she knew and she hit kind of a line drive kick um kind of a squib kick that uh, they end up downing. So uh, just, a, I think a great moment for, for every, you know, uh, female college soccer player that's out there.
2: Yeah. I, I I'm with you. And like, I don't think, you know, people understand, like you talked about Casey Moore. We had a, a player on our team a couple of years ago, Grace Johnson can hit, a, you know, our, our goalkeeper now can hit a 60 yard ball with a lot of power and a lot of distance. And, and, you know, it's funny, we were in our indoor facility here at Ole Miss one time it was raining, and uh, we were training in there. And at the end of the training, we started kicking field goals. You know, on their uh, in the inside, there's some goalposts kind of painted on the screens, so they, you know, where the kickers practice, right? So we started doing it with the team and, and a little competition. And we got back to the fifty, and we had a kid that was hitting the field goals. And you remember Chad Kelly? No, Chad sure. Kelly, the yeah. quarterback. So he was in there training. It was while he was in school, and so he had some footballs. And we're right. like, Chad, you know, throw some footballs. So we had them kicking, and we had girls hitting 40-yarders. Now, again, like you're saying, you know, how quickly do they get it up? Can they go that far? But they could hit the ball, a football 50 yards relatively accurate. So I think people don't realize how these soccer players, how really good they are at kicking uh, whether it's a ball or a football. So, anyway, it's, it's kind of neat, and it was, uh, it was cool to see for sure, and, and good for her, good for Vandy. You know, they've had they had quite a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> the SEC yes. Championship, and then, oh, I mean, she's on Good Morning America and the Today Show, and you name and then it. And the coach gets
1: fired, up. right? And yeah, I mean, yeah. it was
2: wild, wild yeah. week there in Vanderbilt. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, is it time to bring in the uh, the big deal, Chris? The big
1: deal. Here he comes.
2: All right, too many
0: minutes with the big deal, Brian Lee. Brian, good evening. How are you tonight? Is it cold in Houston? It is cold in Houston. It's cold for Houston. Let's call it that. Maybe 55. Oh, God. Poor baby. Yeah, 37. That's what it felt like today. I broke out the scully. I have had long sleeves and sweatshirts Uh, on all uh, day.
2: Let's go over that real quick. Um, Scully, you call it. People call it toboggan, right? Chris, toboggan? I call it a toque.
1: I call it a hat. I don't know.
2: (laughs) A hat? A hat is a toque. I think that's Canadian, actually. Canadian, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Canadian slash nineteen eighty six upstate New York, <laughs> yeah, lingo. Yeah. Good, but it's not <laughs> you
2: know. Scully. That's kind of stupid. I'd, I'd go to Boggy yeah, Boston. Keep I'd go up Scully. with the times.
0: Yeah, you're hip, man.
1: You, you're hip. Ask the kids on your team. All the kids. Yeah. 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 Well, Brian, we we don't really have any games to talk about, do we? We don't. It's a sad day, isn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to figure <laughs> I did, to I did want to myself. ask you a couple of things. Uh, I wanted to pick your brain on a couple of things, get your thoughts on a couple of things. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about first, um, how much change do you think there will be in like, especially in the teams that played right um, from the fall to the spring. Right. So, you know, change in personnel, the teams, you know, adding players, teams losing players. Um, Do you you know of situations where maybe teams are losing players or adding players, things like that? And you know, how much of a difference are we going to see in some of these teams?
0: Yeah, I think for the teams that played in the fall with all the different agendas, as you head to the spring, it's going to be very interesting. I think nationally, what we want to look out for is how is it going to affect either the bubble teams who are trying to get into the NCAAs, which would be so much harder with the 17 at large bids, or the teams that have already won a conference championship. I mean, already on the portal, if you look, there's changes in um, several of the teams that have out at large bids. They've got kids leaving. And with the grad transfers, really jumping up with this fifth year of eligibility as everybody tries to do the gymnastics to make the money work to keep as many kids coming in as, as fewer kids leaving as possible. It's going to make for a really interesting spring. You know, for example, Vanderbilt's got a great senior class. We well, can't keep them all if they were just planning, um, you know, to graduate in the fall. And I don't know how many of those kids are fall graduates versus spring graduates. Um, I know South Alabama's got several kids on the portal already, and they're going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. Will they be able to replace those kids with kids who are eligible to play in the spring and maybe strengthen their team if they've got scholarship money opening up? Um, so it's going to be a, a really interesting phenomenon and a one-time time thing we're ever going to deal with, hopefully. You
1: yeah, know, we are going to certainly see some, I would think, some bloated rosters right here in the next year or two.
0: Oh, boy, we're going to see bigger rosters and bigger activity on the transfer portal would be, you know, the early inclination. With big, bigger rosters comes less playing time, and I do think a vast majority of the kids on the portal aren't, aren't unhappy with the school they're at. They just want to play more. So, you know, only 11 kids can play at a time, and especially to start spread these games out a little different. be interesting to get Matt's opinion on just keeping your team happy when you're playing one game a week. You know, in in a normal college season, we're playing twice a week, so maybe an extra 40, 50 minutes are out there for kids to play that that doesn't exist if we all drop down to the one game a week as well.
2: You have a a thought on that, Matt? Well, you know, as I'm, you know... (laughs) so eloquently named captain chemistry uh, <laughs> team chemistry is, self-named. Uh, self-named no 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 <laughs> brian named me that but um it's diff- it's difficult it's it's i was talking with my boss today like it was it's a difficult in covid because you can't do any of those chemistry act- activities that help keep your team together help maybe the guys end in the roster uh stay happy um because it, it's a hundred percent and listen I, I agree it's a great point about the bloated rosters i mean we are we're gonna because again, don't forget the seniors' money doesn't count, right? So we're talking about everybody having five classes instead of four classes, and it's gonna be a, a real challenge for teams to keep people happy um because there's not gonna be playing time like typically there is. Uh Brian is is spot on.
1: So um I looked at uh uh, a little bit of the, the history of, of players who were transferring and things like that. And went back to last year, there were uh, uh, 8,400 players playing in division one, 2019 8.8% transferred. That's uh, 740 players. Wow. That, that ended up transferring. Um, and we're assuming that 2020 is going to be worse, correct? Or sure. more, I don't know about worse, but more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, more by the time it's said and done. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And 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 here's the question that I have
1: for you, Brian. Um, is transferring a bad thing?
0: That's. I mean, that's such a good question, isn't it? Is transferring a bad thing in the moment? I think very rarely. Either you're searching for playing time, or you're searching for a coaching staff to get along a little better with, or maybe you're your playing attributes fit it, or it can be as simple as quite often. I think that the biggest transfer numbers come at schools that have a new coach as well. if so that coach didn't recruit you. Maybe they look for a different type of player. Um, so in the moment when it happens, I think transfers are almost always a good thing. It just wasn't working. Um, however, uh, In the college selection process, when we transfer almost 10% of our players um, out, it probably needs to be a bigger factor than it is when the club coaches and kids and their families are thinking about where I'm going to choose to go to college. What are the percentage chances I'm going to finish there? I'm not sure we're having a bunch of open conversations because in the end we're salespeople Right, wherever we're at, if I transfer out forty percent of my freshman class before they're seniors, it's not something I'm telling people, and but it's also not something the the advisors to the kids are telling them either. They're just super excited that the kid is signing with X, you know, University X, um, because it might look well on the club as well. Chris,
2: let let me say this: you said seven hundred. Is that what what was one hundred forty? Seven hundred and forty. What would be interesting to know is how many of that seven hundred and forty um, are were that played significant minutes, yeah. right? Like typically, you, you. I mean, I don't, know, Brian. What you're you're a you're a guessing uh, numbers guy. Like, what percentage of that seven hundred and forty were kids that were actually contributing significantly to their team?
0: A small number, yeah. probably smaller. So to to answer,
2: so yeah, so to answer that question, um, I think is uh, to answer the I think question. Question question, is that a good thing? It is a good thing if those guys that aren't playing to transferring because they want to play. They put in all this time and effort. I think that part of it's good. I I don't think you see a lot of really good players. Not good players. Players that are playing significantly for teams
1: um, transfer. Honestly, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. And, um, with the, uh, you know, with the spring season starting, Brian, if you could just maybe take us through, um, so everybody knows sort of the, um, where we stand on, on the rules as far as, you know, mid-year enrollees, uh, transfers, things like that, who can play, who can't play all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, A a kid can transfer to play in the spring season if their team did not play in the fall and have spring eligibility. Everybody can transfer. But if to have spring eligibility, your team could not have been one of the teams playing this fall. The mid-year freshman enrollee is not eligible to play in the spring as we currently understand it. Um, those are probably the two major instances that we're looking at. Um, And of note, looking at the portal today, if there were 740 last year, there's 252 kids on the portal right now from the fall. And if we're looking at those percentages, and to Matt's earlier point about, hey, the the transfer rate is going to go up as well, that's of the teams who played – there's a way higher rate already of kids up on the portal. And there's pro- obviously there's still going to be more. It was a tight turnaround for some of them between going home early with the new COVID schedules. So who knows how many postseason meetings have, have, have even been had by every program. Um, but that's the gist of, you know, in terms of the gist of the question you're asking about spring eligibility, that's where we stand right now.
2: Well, I think a couple of things to add to that, Chris, first of all, if you didn't play, if you played this fall, so in other words, an sec team played this fall, but you didn't step on the field, you're eligible if you transfer, right? So somebody that didn't, didn't play in the fall, yeah. they're eligible as well. And then I think the other, the other thing is there's 252 with only what 50 or 60 teams playing. So 320 teams didn't play. So those kids aren't typically going to transfer until at the end of the season when they realize they didn't get to play any games. Right. So it's, it's an interesting number at December, but I think when you start to look in May, it's going to be two or three times that much.
1: Yeah. And, and I think you also have some situations where, you know, you had opt-outs, right. Right. Um, opt-outs and, um, and kids graduating in, in December, um, you know, maybe players going to play professionally, you know, in, in the spring and, and things like that. So you do have some teams that are on the lookout uh, for and to add, add to their rosters right now. Um, and, and I think that, you know, where are they going to add from? Well, the only place they can really add from right now would be the transfer portal. Right. I mean, that's, that's about the only place you you could add from. And again, transfer portal players who, who didn't play, I don't, there's no other way to add to your team at the moment. Right. Uh, So it's an interesting, you know, the whole thing, it's, it's interesting right now. I think we're all um, dealing with, playing with sort of roster management, um, trying to get the numbers right. Not only for, for this spring, but, but for next year and the year after. Mm -hmm. And, and then the impact then becomes on those 2021 recruits, 2022 recruits who um, I think uh, there's just maybe less opportunity for those guys. Would you, would you agree with that, Brian?
0: Oh, that's 100%. And it's certainly the 21s who are left. I mean, if you roll in the dead period as well, being extended, these four 21s. So what's happened to those guys is now there's all these seniors who want to play an extra year that coaches need money for. So the uncommitted 2021 who now no one can go see Division I um, because the dead period's been extended till, till April, they're in a terrible situation. And not just finding a school um, where they can get a scholarship, find a school where they can get on the roster because all of our rosters are expanding and we're all very cautious about you know, how, how many kids are on the team because we're sensitive to playing time as well in terms of team chemistry. Um, so I, I think it's a really rough situation for the 21s. But for me, it's affecting the 22s as you talk to people as well, because he, he, within the rosters, you've, you've got those that age kid coming through the college roster who's keeping scholarship money for another year, um, even before you, on your own team, before you get into the transfer portal. So the 22s, uh, bet- you know, they have the same dead period effect, but it, it's costing them some scholarship money as well, for sure.
2: Yeah. So I, I have a real, you know, I know this has been a pretty intense conversation about this, but I, I got a really important question for you, Chris. What is your recommendation for teams like, you know, we had a brand new facility built here a couple of years ago and it's fantastic. We have a great locker room. And I remember the guy coming to me and saying, Hey, we're going to put 35 lockers in your locker room. I'm like, no, and make them a little bit smaller. And I'm like, no, 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 we'll, we'll never have more than 30 players on the team. Well, right now today we are set for 31 players. So, hmm. what is your recommendation for people that don't have enough lockers for players?
1: <laughs> What's my that? recommendation? Yeah, what do you do? Uh, build a new locker room.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean you got to share them, right? I mean, well, yeah, first of all, so. you can't even use lockers right now, anyway, with, yeah, with COVID, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're not able to use it, but I, like you, they got to share them somehow. That's the only thing I can think of. I've spent time concerned
0: about that. I want. I you bet. Know that. I, I bet
1: you. I yeah, bet you spend a lot of time dirty. on it.
0: Yeah, baby steps. Let let's hope we get in those lockers. Yeah, in the yeah, for sure. Baby for sure. steps. Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Brian. We appreciate your time and and your insight, and uh, we'll we'll hear from you next week. I feel very
0: no intense, worries.
2: Brian. Like that was a that was a that was a really strong conversation. Informative, really wow. Informative, yes. Very good. Now, now, Brian has lots of caps. You know, he you know, sooner or later, we're going to have to bring out the fun, Brian and have fun, a fun time <laughs> talking with Chris. It's always tight and excuse all these big words and intense. But anyway, uh, Brian, thanks. All right, boys. Wonderful as again. All, right. all right. Let's this turn our one. attention. Yeah, Chris, let's turn our attention to our guest. Okay, Chris, we're going to bring in uh, really our guest tonight we're excited about, Mark Francis from the University of Kansas. Um, Mark, how are you doing on this fine evening?
3: Doing great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
2: No problem. Our first question we always like to, to hit you with, Mark, is is give us your, and, and people have really liked this, this part of it, but give us your career path, how you've gotten to the University of Kansas. We know you've been there a long time, but kind of how did it, how did it start for you in the coaching world, and, and how did you get to this point?
3: Um, huh. I started coaching. I, I saw I'm from England originally. I grew up in London. Um, I came over here to play in college. And in my infinite wisdom thought I sounded like a good idea at the time. I played for four years and then go back to England and um, didn't quite happen. I met my ex-wife and ended up just staying. But uh, but I started actually coaching when I was in college. Um, I played for Shellis Hyman uh, at SMU, a uh, phenomenal coach and, and obviously an icon in the American game and learned a lot from him, still keep in touch with him. But, um, you know, uh, so I was in Dallas And as an international student, you're not allowed to work technically. So um, I kind of illegally did some club coaching, uh, really just to make money was really the reason I did it uh, because they could pay me cash and really enjoyed the coaching. And and after college, I was fortunate enough to play um, professionally for a little while, but I knew that I always thought I would end up coaching uh, at the end of it. Um, And then when I was playing, uh, pro I was, I would always do the camps and things like that. And the clinics and the appearances where you had to go do stuff with the kids. Cause I really enjoyed it. Um, and then while I was playing, I, uh, I was coaching club as well. This is back. I'm old. So this was back in the eighties, um, <laughs> early nineties. So this was before MLS. You didn't really make much, much money. You were really playing because you wanted to play. Uh, it wasn't cause you were making any money. And so while I was playing, I was also coaching club, um, and then I started coaching high school in Dallas, at Highland Park High School, um, started doing ODP. I did North Texas ODP. Um, then I got on regional staff in the south region um, and and really was exposed then to a lot of college coaches um, and, and kind of thought, oh, that would be kind of cool. You know, I wouldn't mind coaching college. And at the time doing the ODP, the high school um, and the club stuff, it was a little bit crazy, right? You're running around, you know, like chicken, we're very cut off a little bit. Um, then I got an opportunity to, to coach in college and, and, um, uh, coached five years at high school. And then I got an opportunity to go to South Alabama, the university of South Alabama as the head coach there in 96, um, <laughs> So I went from Dallas where I, I was at Highland Park High School where we won two state championships my last three years. So I went from having one of the best teams at the level I was playing at and nothing to do with me, we just had good, good players at the school um, to South Alabama and, and um, uh, we were 2-17 and 17 the first year. Now I got the job in July, so I showed up and, and we had 12 players. So I put an ad in the school newspaper, we had five kids come and walk on <laughs> Um, but it was, it was pitiful. So my assistant at the time was, uh, Aaron Rodgers. That's the coach at uh, Ohio university. So Aaron and I played together and he was at North Texas at the time. So I called him and I said, Hey mate, this is a random, but so he ended up coming down and it was just the two of us. And, but there were training sessions where he and I would have to jump in the session just to get it to remotely look like soccer. I mean, that's how bad it was. um anyway we were brutal and to be fair I didn't know I really didn't know anything about recruiting I just know I'd had players in high school that had been recruited so I'd been involved in the process from that side of it but I really didn't know uh, I hadn't been an assistant or anything like that I really didn't know what was involved so to be honest with you I mean I'm a bit forward sometimes and I would literally back then you recruited them during their senior year right so I mean, I remember one of the best players I got, I, I went and watched her in a tournament. And after the last game, and they're released by the coach, you're actually allowed to talk to him. So I sat down and talked to this kid at the field. I said, hey, you want to come on a visit? Her name was Caroline Smith. Um, she was like, yeah, sure, I'll come on a visit. I mean, usually now you go through this whole process, drawing out process, right? But I literally had a 10-minute conversation. She's like, yeah, I'll come on a visit. She ended up being our first All-American. So um, it, it was just weird back then, how little I knew. That was at Kansas, sorry. It was weird how little I knew about it. And I literally would just pick the phone up and I'd have a list of players I'd seen at the tournament and I'd call them and I'm like, right, well, I like the kid. I'm just going to invite him on a visit. I mean, there's no like mailing of stuff or, you know, like buttering them up. It was, hey... I'm Mark, I'm coach at South Alabama, would you like to come on a visit? I mean, that was about as brutal as it was. And believe it or not, some of them actually said yes and came on visit. So <laughs> it was um, it was really learning, I mean, just on the fly with that part, with that part of it. Um, uh, just It just didn't really know any better, to be honest. Um, so the second year, so we brought in... Uh, we kept five players we brought in 12 and we won the league the next year. We were seven, 16, three and one I think the next season um, and so and, and won the league so obviously it was it was a it was a pretty good turnaround but I, I figured out pretty quick I mean I wasn't a better coach the second season I just had better players you know so this college gig ain't that tough it's recruit good players I mean it really did it made me realise right off the bat because in high school you show up the first day of class and that's your team Mm -hmm. and you do the best that you can with what you have in college it's on you to bring the players to the team Mm -hmm. so that was a whole different um, process for me Um, so I was at South Alabama three years this third year we won the league again. We were in the Big South back then. Um, and financially, honestly, it, it, I was coaching club and then coaching and teaching in a in high school in, in Dallas. I had three little kids at the time. And um, when I took the job at South Alabama, between my um, club stuff that I was doing in my high school, I took a 50% pay cut to take the South Alabama job. So, uh, to be fair, my ex-wife, who's probably not listening, but to be fair to her, she... <laughs> was a trooper about it. You can imagine that conversation. You're both married, yeah. right? You have kids. <laughs> and by the way, honey, i got this great opportunity. Um, that was, uh, that was, that was probably my best sales job I've ever done right there. But, yeah. um, so anyway, so, you know, fortunately went there, but financially it was really difficult. I mean, we downscaled. we brought a small house. We, we just went with one vehicle. We did a lot of things like that. But after the third year with three little kids, like it was tough financially. And, um, I, I, I had the kind of came to the conclusion that I was either going to have to go back to coaching high school, and do a club and make more money, or try to get a job at a bigger school. And as it would be, just timing wise, particular year, you know, you had the big wigs like Chris, you know, leave Notre Dame and go to Texas. So there were a lot of big jobs open that year Oklahoma and Kansas and Texas and Notre Dame. So there was a lot of big jobs, which creates a lot of movement, as you guys know. Um, and I actually got offered the job at Oklahoma and at Kansas in the same week. Um, so I had kind of had two options to look at and, and honestly picked Kansas because I thought as a coach, I knew what I could try to do. Um, but I felt like the town in Lawrence, the, the campus, the academic re, academic reputation, those things I couldn't change. And I thought those in, in, in my opinion at the time in Kansas, I thought were a better fit and also for my family back then. So Uh, My oldest was in first grade and I had three kids younger than that. So, or two kids younger than that. So a lot of it was family, uh, decision. Um, came to Kansas and, you know, as you know, when you get a college job, you're getting it for one or two reasons. Either they haven't done well and they fired the old coach or they did really well. And they that person moved on to something, you know, that they consider to be a better situation. So Kansas had not done well in the four years they'd had a program. It was a brand new program. Um, First two years were a little bit tough. We made gradual progress. I think second year we went to the Big 12 tournament for the first time. And then the third year was really the big jump. We went to the NCAAs for the first time in our, in our program. And uh, that was kind of when you get to the tournament, now all of a sudden you can say to a recruit, hey, we went to the tournament last year, right? So mm-hmm. that that really kind of jump-started us, I think, that third season.
1: Excellent. Hey, hey I want to... Uh... I want to talk about your uh a little bit about your time at SMU three three time All American. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> all American anything, Matt? Uh desserts. Desserts, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um but but you know, playing you, you mentioned playing for Shellis and um and and tell us about how first of all how he came across you, how Shellis found you and then maybe a little bit about, um, you know, your time playing for shelves and, and what that was like.
3: Yeah, interesting story, actually. I, um, so I, uh, I was in my last year of school at home, and I was working in a pub. I was the busboy, right, picked up the glasses. It was a very popular pub right on the River Thames, close to my house. I was the guy that, that picked up the glasses and washed them. And I uh, put him back in the bar. And, and I was in the pub one Sunday night. It was at Christmas time. I'm in my last year of school. And I bump into a guy who I played with on a select team that had traveled to uh, Canada. And he was older than me. And I um, started talking to him. And I am like, asked him what he was doing. He said, oh, I'm playing college soccer in the United States. So anyway, so I started talking to him. I get his phone number. So I follow up and I call him. And he kind of tells me how it all works over here, right? Because I had no idea. Um, so i that like, sounds like a good idea. So I wrote, uh, I contacted the embassy in London. They sent me a list of the schools that, that um, had college, men's college soccer. And honestly, I mean, there was a lot of them, right? I picked the places that sounded cool. New York, <laughs> Florida, I, I kid you not, California. I mean, I had no idea. Yeah. This is before the internet, right? It tells you yeah. how old I am. Um, so I sent off, I don't know, maybe 40, 30, 40 letters, started getting some letters back. I mean, I had a decent resume as a youth player in England and people were like, well, come the first year, pay yourself and then we'll pay the second year if you you know, if you do well. And I got a lot of those kind of letters and obviously I didn't have the money to do that. So to be honest, I kind of bagged the idea by now it's like April. Um, one of the schools that had, I wrote to sent me a thing back and they were in the top 25. And so they sent me a paper cut out from the newspaper of the top 25 teams and ironically a lot of them i'd already written to but eastern illinois where shellis used to coach was one that i hadn't written to so i I had no idea who the coach was i put eastern illinois soccer coach illinois united states that was literally what i put on the envelope well (laughs) shellis ended up getting it and this was late right now this is you're talking like march april um and i get a phone call shellis called me and said hey I'm coming to England to do a coaching course. Um, saw your resume. Are you going to be playing during this time frame? So I said, yeah. So I gave him the schedule. So he came and watched me play and, and offered me the spot. So, so I went to Eastern Illinois my freshman year, and, and that was where Shella's played there and had been there for a while. Um, we did really, really well freshman year. Then he got the job at SMU at the end of uh, the fall. Um, and I ended up transferring, so I played the, my last three years at SMU. Um, Shellis, you know, and, and, and as a coach, obviously phenomenal coach, very demanding. Like, that was what I always remember about him, like super demanding. Like, just he knew what he wanted. He knew what he, his expectations were. And if you weren't toeing the line, I mean, he'd let you know. Um, I never forget um, one story. Um, This was my junior year. So I was an All-American my sophomore year, right? And so my junior year, I was the only All-American that year. So junior year, we're in training. And I had a girlfriend from Eastern that ended up transferring to SMU that year. And ironically, ends up moving next door to me. And it was just a nightmare, right? And my head was all screwed up. And we're in training. And and somehow, Shellos always knew about stuff that was going on with his players, like off the field. I have no idea how but you always knew Well, he knew about what was going on with this situation. And my head was all over the place, right? And we're in training one day and I'm having an absolute nightmare, like absolute nightmare. And about 30 minutes into the session, Shellis basically says, Francis, like, you're absolutely killing this practice. You need to just leave the field and, and you're done for the day. And I was like, I mean, he'd never done that before with anybody. Right. And I was just like, everybody's like looking around going, what the so I'm like, all right, so I leave, I go <laughs> in the locker room, and training's finished, and he comes in, he goes, hey, let's go talk to my office. So we sit down in the office, and he was like, look, he goes, I know what's going on with a girlfriend. He said, like, fair enough, you know, relationships, blah, blah, he gives that whole speech. And he said, but you have a responsibility to the team um, and to your teammates, uh, and right now you're not withholding that responsibility, you know, you're the All-American, you're the central midfielder, you control the game. If you're not doing that, we're not we're not clicking, right? And it was a massive wake up call for me after that, then I was fine. But like the rest of the season, I was able to separate, you know, those things, but that, that was kind of how he was. Like he was really good at dealing with those situations, right? He could have just let it go and not said anything. And I probably would have been an absolute nightmare the rest of that season, but you know, he dealt with it. Um, but that, that was how he was. He was really good about that, that kind of thing.
2: Very cool. Um, I got a quick question for you. Uh, uh, Mark, as I usually do, put you on the time machine. I'm going to take you back to Orlando, Florida, and you and Aaron playing Karen and I at UCF uh, when you were at South Alabama. And yeah. if you recall, I, I believe it was it was close. We were good. You guys were. I think it was your, maybe your second or third year, and you had yeah. you know just kind of you were a good team and coming on to it. But we were big bad UCF, who you know had Michelle Akers yeah. and all that, right? And late in the game, you guys I think take the lead. And you and Aaron go absolutely bananas on the sideline, right? You guys are running around, throwing chairs, going crazy. It uh, was—I remember it vividly. And I'm thinking, I looked at
3: Karen, go, who is this guy? Like he's going, he's going nuts on the sideline. So uh, it was really oh, fun. Hey, after you go two and seventeen, your first college season, you just get excited when you win, mate. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. That uh, was really funny. But uh, but moving on from that, so I got two things. First of all, I know it's it's KU, right? Why why is it KU you I know Kentucky is UK, but why is it KU? Is my first question. And then tell me about. Um, you know, how difficult it was, you know, building that program at, at
3: Kansas. It's your first question. I have no idea. It makes no sense <laughs> to me. It's K- Kansas university, but yeah. we go by the university of Kansas side. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to ask somebody who's way longer <laughs> than, Jay than myself. Cause I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but the worst thing is when you're recruiting, because we're blue. It's a different blue than Kentucky when sure. like, a mom's coming around, handing out the brochure, and she says, oh, University of Kentucky. And I really have to bite my tongue. <laughs> you know, but I know I'm as polite as I possibly can be. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> building the program, um, I'll be honest with you, the, you know, the the last five years, we got a new stadium, uh, which is phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? Beautiful. One of the best in the yeah, country. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, But prior to that, it wasn't that that is – and that is really – it's a really nice stadium. Like, it really is. It's phenomenal. It wasn't that that that's so phenomenal that what we had before was okay. Because we – well, Chris knows because you you guys played us. Yeah, yeah. Um, We had a field that had no lights. We had no press box. They brought in portal parties for the the fans. Um, So it was really bare bones.
1: And right. kind of so, uphill was, on one corner, right? One yeah,
2: corner, yeah. you better we'll, we'll, like run so
3: up the so hill and we'll take a corner out. kick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do, we do hill runs over there. I used to get fitness in. Um, so, um, so that was a challenge, right? I mean, as you know now, and it was no different than it's a bit of an arms race in recruiting, right? So yeah. we were playing on Fridays. At, you know, you get to October, we're playing at four o'clock on a Friday, and it's tough to get people out. There. Even my own kids, my, my ex wife would better get my own kids to the game. So that was difficult in the sense of you bring a recruit in, you bring them to the game, and, and, you know, we were decent. We had a decent team, but the experience, you know, you're talking about, you know, back then, you're probably talking 16-, 17-year-old girls, not younger like we deal with now. But that experience is totally different. Even if our team's good, even if we win, they're going to a game at Texas under the lights. They've Mm -hmm. got a good crowd. They're a good team. That experience is just very different, and we, we couldn't, we, we, we had to recruit around it, you know, we, we just couldn't, there was no way around it. It is what it is. And I was mm-hmm. always told I'm, I haven't, i am on my fifth athletic director since I've been here and every athletic director told us, and I'm not knocking them, but Hey, you'll have a new stadium in two years. So that's what we would tell them recruits. We even had drawings. They even did up drawings at some of the point. Right? So we're saying, Hey, this is what we have now, but Hey, this is what's coming. Right. Cause that's what we were being told. Um, mm-hmm. So that was getting, it was getting old. I'm not going to lie, you know, because you, you, you're doing the work, you're getting the kid on campus because you've had decent results. Um, but then that experience was different, you know, and, and not to say we didn't get some of them because we did, but we also lost a lot of them because we weren't on an even playing field from a recruiting standpoint with, with uh, aside from the soccer part, you know, the academics was good, all that other stuff, but the actual field that experience was a big part of it, and we just didn't have that to sell. Mm-hmm. So we really had to push the other stuff. Our academic support was excellent. We have a good academic institution. All those things we had to really push. Mm-hmm. Um, and some kids, you know, went for it. Some didn't. But um, but that was the, that was the really big obstacle for 16 years. We dealt with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know we you know the last in the last five years, you know, we've been to the tournament four times and we've advanced to the second round. Last year we went to the Sweet 16. But those teams that we have now, those kids on our team in the last four years, all came, actually, our senior class last year. Two of them are playing in the NWSL. Um, two of the other seniors are now playing pro abroad. But that recruiting class was the first recruiting class we had that on their visit watched us play in the stadium. Mm. And it's just made a massive difference. I mean, I can't tell you how big of a difference it's made. Mm. Even if we're terrible on the day and we lose, the experience is different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's, really, that's really been the kicker for us, I think, has been a massive difference for us. Um, sure. Now we're in, a, in with a decent shot at those kids that before, I just don't think it was difficult for us to get that kid. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And as I said earlier, in order for us to be better than we are, yeah sure you can always be a better coach, but we got to get we got to continue to keep getting players at a higher level in order to elevate the level of our program yeah
1: hey um I want to ask you a little bit about about the big twelve and uh you know my experience in the big twelve was was fantastic um, the quality of the coaches across the board were was really good,
2: especially the assistant coaches. Yeah, really, the assistant really coaches good. as well, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: But, you know, the, the Big 12 changed. You know, when when, uh, when A&M and Nebraska and Colorado, Missouri left, mm-hmm. um, I felt like those were pretty big losses on the soccer side of it. Um, yeah. The addition of of uh, West Virginia obviously has helped. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, the difference of the, the Big 12 now compared to the Big 12, you know, during those days.
3: Yeah, you know, when you were the Big 12, back then – there were, uh, I thought, mm, you know, maybe five very good teams. Would you agree with that? And then I think there was a pretty big big, four or five good team, but then I thought there was a drop-off, right? Um, So I I would say the very top, if you looked at the top two or three back then, I think they were probably overall better. But I think the difference now, excuse me, (coughs) excuse me, Covid. <laughs> <laughs> the difference now. <laughs> the difference now. I think is is I don't think the top two or three are as good as they were back then. But yeah. I think the parity is way more. Sure. So the, sure. the bottom t- the bottom of the league. The, I would say the bottom half of the league is a lot better. Yeah. And I think because of that, every game now is super competitive. Not that it mm. wasn't back then, but um, my first year at Kansas, Nebraska beat us nine nothing.
1: Yeah There's no I remember, games like
3: that Hey Mark, I
1: remember uh, the first game we played against each other at, uh, You were Kansas, at Kansas, house of Texas And we were both in our first year, I believe And uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the game And I, I don't even know who won I have no idea who won the game But at the end of the game, you know, we shook hands And, and you said to me, hey, good game And I said, it was actually kind of a bad game between two bad teams
3: you did, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, you did say that And you were right <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> we both got better though. Yes.
1: Yes.
2: We had yes. some
3: good battles over the years.
2: For sure. For sure. I think That's the one thing people need to understand is is Mark's style of soccer is really really good. I mean they pass the ball, they compete. Uh, I think Kansas always is a difficult game and a difficult team and uh, one of those fun teams but like we talked with uh, with Billy Hempin when he was at Colorado like same thing, like really good teams. I mean, you you look back then, like Chris is saying, back in the early days of, of the Big 12, and, and obviously it's great now, but those are some really good coaches, you know, John at Nebraska and Chris and Mark and Billy, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And, and not just good coaches, but good soccer coaches, like playing the game the right way. It's it's nice to see because we don't always get that all the time. There are some, some yeah. teams and leagues out there that maybe don't play the, the game as well as they used to, but – let me ask you this, that change gears a little bit, but um, talk to us about, obviously, you know, Kansas basketball is one of those Alabama football-type uh, powerhouses in, in their sport, Duke basketball, that kind of level. Like, how does that help you, Mark? And, and and to me, everything you see with Bill Self looks like he's great. Like, is there any any connection there, or does it help you in recruiting or with the program or any of that kind of stuff? It's always yeah, interesting. Yeah, for sure.
3: For sure. And I think, you know, any program, it starts at the top, right? Bill's a phenomenal guy. His office is down the hall. The thing about Bill that's awesome is his office literally down the hall from me. So I, I see him probably every day. The thing I love about Bill is in the fall, right? Let's say it's a Monday. You have a good win on Sunday. He'll say, hey, great, great win against Texas. No, no pun meant to Chris, <laughs> but Hey, great, great win against Texas on Sunday. Yeah, it looks like you guys are doing great. You're like He knows what's going on with the other teams. You know, it's not just about um, you know, he's in the Basketball Hall of Fame now, but he knows he's that's the kind of guy he is. If you're walking down the hall with a recruit and you introduce him, it's not like he just says, oh, he stops asking where they're from. It's go, oh, yeah, we got a kid from there. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he's very much uh, a team player in that sense. Um, so I think that helps because, obviously, it's a, it's a very well-known program. I think what really helps, though, is, is, you know, we we try to bring kids in on visits and bring them to basketball games. Uh, because sure. Alan Fieldhouse, it's it really is a one in a one, a once in a lifetime type of opportunity to see a game there. Every game is sold out. Not now, but yeah. uh, sixteen thousand two hundred people. It doesn't matter who they're playing; they've sold out. Uh, I think it's like five hundred and something games in a row. Wow. Um, wow! So that's going back a few years. Uh, so that again, it's about the experience, right? You bring a kid in; they come to the game. It's thousands of people scream and everybody's doing the different cheers and chants that go with our school, um, our school history and things like that. And they come away with a sense of the school spirit. And that's probably the biggest thing I would say is, yeah, it's basketball, but people care about sports here. Right. Um, and so you're trying to correlate it to, you know, it's athletics and sports teams here are important. We're in a college town, you know, there's no pro teams. They're all down the street, you know, Kansas City but not Lawrence so mm-hmm. we're kind of the big show in town so it does kind of help from that standpoint I think
1: yeah Pretty awesome hey I want to go back to uh we had quite a um a lot of fun coaching the national team together mm-hmm. um it seems like it's great a great time, experience
3: so. by the way yeah, great, great, experience. great I appreciate you inviting me to do that because I really enjoyed it I mean I already knew you were a good coach but um, I respected how you ran that and um uh, it was actually interesting because it, you know, that's in my career. That's the only time I've been an assistant. I've always, like, as a high <laughs> right. school coach, right. like, it was really bizarre for me. Yeah. And, and interesting. Actually, it, that was really interesting for me too. Like I wasn't the one making the final decision. Obviously yeah. you asked all of our input, but, yeah. um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, uh, but I want I remember, uh, and I'm going to tell a little story here and, and you may want to finish it. We'll, we'll see as I start here. Okay. You'll remember, I'm sure. So, um, as we know, Mark is quite an accomplished player, and uh, and still at that time was was quite a good player.
3: Um, I know the so, story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're we're having an inner squad, and uh, we're short a player. So Mark says, "Okay, I'll jump in, right?" And he can he can still play at, at the time. And you know, he's in you know playing in with you know twenty year old national team players, like and a lot of good ones. You know, a lot of ones, and, and you know, and then playing the World Cup and things like that. So um, he's playing on the match and on his team is Heather O'Reilly, right? Who Who um, is one of, you know, one of the great names in, in our sport and, you know, uh, was a great national team player and, and a great player at North Carolina and things like that. She's also one of the most competitive people you'll, you'll ever meet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's on the team with Mark. Um, Mark, you want to finish the story now, or do you want me? No, to finish? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you finish. The story. Okay. <laughs> so they're playing this match, and the match is heated, right? And it's the match at the end of the week, and guys are, you know, they're trying to make the team, right? And and that group, a number of them, were trying to we trying to make the full team, and this was their their stepping stone to the full team. Um, so they're going at it pretty good, and late in the game, Mark's playing in the back. I believe he's playing center back. And uh, late in the game, and I don't even remember exactly what happened, but he made a mistake that led to a goal, right? I don't know whether he gave the ball away or, you know, whatever it was. He made a mistake that led to a goal. And, boy, she jumped his butt hard. I mean, oh, Heather yeah. went up and down both sides of him, and she got up. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, and even beyond that, like almost every other day, she was on him about that. You know, it was like,
3: Oh, she reminded me. It, it wasn't just that one instance. That's right. She reminded me. <laughs> so it was I quite, do, re- uh, quite I, do remember that. I, I think, I think the next time you asked me to jump in, I said, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, I doing that again. <laughs> I'm afraid of Heather. Uh, so what did you do, Mark? Uh, with, do you
2: remember? Did you pass the ball
3: to him? What, what was the mistake? You, you know, passing was always my strength. I think it was probably more like somebody just ran by me. I would uh, think that gotcha. was probably more. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I don't remember how old I was then, but I couldn't keep up with her. Um, and she, and they scored it. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that well, listen, as, as
2: we wrap up here, Mark, and you've been great. We really appreciate it, but give us a couple minutes. We always like to do this with all of our guests and, just you know, just kind of sell us your program and, and what what you know you've been there a long time and have done an unbelievable job. Like, what what makes Kansas great, kind of for you?
3: Um, I think I mean you guys touched on it a little bit earlier. I mean I do think we play a good brand of soccer. Um, I think because of that, you know nowadays, and I'm sure you guys find this too, like the top recruits that you're talking to. When you ask them, you know, what's their end game? What do they want to do? They all want to play after college now, right? That's a thing that is great. It's great for our sport because they now have that opportunity. Um, and I think we have a lot of former players that ha- are playing in the pros. And I do think that playing the style that we play, I think does prepare them for the next level because they have to solve the game in different ways. It's not just, I'm just going to bang it, chase it. I mean, we have to we have to try to get them to solve the game within the parameters for of, uh, of our game model and how we want to play. So I do think that helps them prepare them to, to go on and play at the next level. And, and we've obviously been able to do that with quite a few former players. Um, I do think that's one thing. I think we play in a very competitive conference um, against some of the best teams in the country. And so I think you get to play against uh, really high caliber teams. Um, we do have phenomenal facilities. You know, obviously we talked about the stadium, and, but also we have a, a state-of-the-art weight room with a lot of um, technology in there that they use to monitor the kids and measure the speed of the bar with which they're moving it and things like that, which leads to them producing more power, which creates better athlete over the four years. And so things like that, I think, that um, that we contribute and help them with. Um, I think we have all the pieces in place. As an athlete, you you there's all the different areas, right? You have the physical, obviously strength coach, the soccer part is us. Nutrition, we, you know, we have an in-house sports nutritionist. Um, the psychological aspect of it, we have an in-house sports psychologist at KU. So those other pieces of it that now are becoming way more of a factor at the top level, I think we have those in place to be able to um, help the athlete, you know, achieve whatever it is they want to achieve, to be the best that they can possibly be as an athlete. And even if that's going to be their athletic career and that's the pinnacle of it, you know, how good can you be as a college athlete and try to help them Um, With that, and I think aside from that, as young women, you know, obviously the education is really, really important. You're not going to play soccer for forever, even if you do go on and play. So I think you get a good education at Kansas. So I do think um, I do think that's the other part. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't
2: mention uh, I didn't mention you know Kelly's been with you a long time. He's a fantastic yeah. assistant coach and great goalkeeper guy, and and just overall yeah. great guy. And uh, you know, certainly, you yeah. uh, know, he has helped you with that program really on the map and doing yeah. a great job there. Absolutely,
3: sure. and 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 as you know, you know, it, it's it's obviously as a head coach you're running it, but but you can't do it by yourself. You know, the quality of your assistant coaches. I had to. Fantastic assistants right now, Kelly. Obviously, as you said, Matt's been with me twenty all twenty two years, and uh, Laura Jackson's our new assistant. She's been this is our second year, and, and she's she's brought some new great ideas to to the program. And uh, extremely intelligent, and has a doctorate in exercise, uh, uh, sports science, access, um, uh, sports psychology. So brings different different knowledge and different skill sets to the to the table for sure.
1: Well, you've done a uh, fantastic job there, and uh, I will say that. Anybody who uh, has a chance to play for you would be lucky because uh, you've produced great players. your team plays great soccer, and, and clearly the results are there. So, uh, yeah, congratulations. Well, thank on you. you. A wonderful job there. I appreciate that. Thanks,
2: man. All right, Mark. Well, we appreciate you coming on, College Soccer Nation. This has been great. Did a great job, a lot of fun, and and uh, we appreciate you, and we certainly will talk to you soon.
3: Thanks, guys. Right, Thanks smart. for having
2: me on. Cheers, okay. guys. Yeah. See you. Well, Chris, he was really good. Mark, Mark is great. And, um, you know, I always love talking to him. He's, uh, he's first class and, and a really good coach. And, you know, tw- I didn't realize 22 years. That's all, that's a long time there.
1: Yeah. And what a fa- he's a fantastic guy. And I, and I tell you like, you, you know, we worked together, I right? Brought him in with, with the national team because I liked the way his team played, you know, I mm-hmm. thought he could be really helpful. And in, in us trying to prepare this, this national team as we were getting ready to play the Nordic cup and, um, I thought he was really good, boy. As a as a um, as a coach and and training players and and working with the players, I, I thought he was out, outstanding, and you could see the quality or hear the quality, in you know, in, in his voice as, as he spoke today.
2: So, so um, it was funny hearing him say that it was the first time he was an assistant. Was so yeah. on the staff with the national team. That's kind of interesting. So, Chris was he a better assistant than me? Oh, by far. Uh, mm, mm, mm. One week One week (laughs) Anyway Alright Let's Let's go ahead And move on Shall we Okay (laughs) So what are we Looking for
1: this week What are we looking Forward to This week uh, For me um, You know I've started our uh, Sort of planning For the spring For our spring season You know we, We spent the whole Fall training And that kind of thing But it's nice actually Now to have some Games in sight So you know, we started at a staff meeting today. We talked about, you know, how we were going to go about our preseason training. We talked about what our uh, our game schedule was going to look like and what our travel was going to look like and, and all of those kind of things. So something we hadn't, haven't done in a while. So I'm kind of looking forward <laughs> to going through that process.
2: Yeah, we uh, – it's it's funny you say, We I worked really hard on our schedule today and starting to really come together. So, you know, we've gotten some parameters from the SEC. You know, SEC schools are going to be able to play nine games, one game a week. That's uh, pending us getting some extra days from the NCAA. Um, you know, I don't know whether that's going to happen or not, but if it does, we'll be able to play nine games. They want us one game a week. So, um, excited that our guys get to get back out there and train. And, again, we're all still trying to make the uh, – the NCAA tournament and what that's going to look like. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's back at it, right? After Thanksgiving, yeah. kind of back at it, and, and that's good. Okay. Yep. Um, I didn't say it at the beginning, I forgot, but uh, I think we have a, a really fun top five this week, right? The power five uh, yes. is uh, retail stores that are not uh, grocery stores. So retail right. stores are not online. One. Not online. you got to be able to walk in the store yeah. and buy something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and these are, our again, I have to preface this a lot, and I don't know how you did it, but mine, these are the five that I most enjoy. So if I'm okay. on the road and I want to drive into somewhere, or need to go somewhere, these are my five favorite places to stop. Right. So, when, so Matt Motts.
1: Yes. So when we yes. do the Power Five, I just want to make this clear. These are our list, like the things that, you know, like right. last week, these were our favorite side dishes and, and things like yes. that. Yes. Correct? Yes. Even though yours were terrible, and I, I okay. think I won. Okay, did, wait. I, did I win? Did I win? Did I win? Oh, well, you might have. But I want to discuss this a little bit before we yeah. get to before we get to this week. Um, so, is there something you would like to tell everybody about how you came up with your list last week? Not, not at all. I don't think there's no. anything to tell i understand (laughs) that there was a corrupt deal that went on and there was some collusion with one of the judges uh chris you know when you lose as
2: often as i lose i felt like it was time to get a little help it just happened (laughs) to work out that way i would say let's just say and i gotta be honest i've never tried that in my life and and darren had me try some at, at thanksgiving and i I'm not a big fan of sweet potato, but it did give me the victory. So, you know. So Do you want to come clean now and, and tell well, everybody what you did? I, I called our buddy Mark and I had a question for him, and his wife answered. Mark was actually out working in the yard, which for any of us to work in the yard, I think is, is a little scary about the yard. Like, I wonder how the bushes look, but he was trimming his, <laughs> trimming his hedges. So hopefully they looked well, but who knows. And I said, hey, Linda, what's your favorite? I said, here's the topic. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? You know, give me something that you really like. So she said she likes the sweet potatoes. She doesn't like dessert topping on it. So I went with it and it, it got me the win.
1: So. Well, I don't think the win should count because you had, it was collusion with a judge. I mean, that's a little much. All right. So that's why I think it's really funny that you started this whole segment with, oh, it's my list. And these are where I go.
2: That's all right. Let's get to it. No more of that. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, who's going first? Number five. You
1: go ahead. I'll go first. Yep. My number five um, is Costco. You can go to Costco, you can walk around, you can see all kinds of different things. You can get a tub of peanut butter, you know, the, <laughs> like the size of, you know, uh, a room, right? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, I enjoy walking around Costco. Well, we both have
2: camp stores in the summertime, right? Yes. Costco is I'm a Sam's Club guy because we don't have Costco near me, but I'm Sam's Club. But I don't have that as my list, but it's a good one. No, I, 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 love, I do enjoy walking around those. So, you know, I go there and shop for camp and the, the staff goes and buys all the stuff, and I walk around and shop. So, anyway, good I mean,
1: one. one of the problems I think we're going to have with the, these lists is like the kind of places that are in Dallas are very different than the places that are in Oxford. Well, mine are not all, and none, none of
2: mine are actually in, well, one of them is in Oxford. So, no, I have to go out for sure. Okay, okay. number right. five for me, right. Ed, Edwin Watts. I'm a big golfer. Edwin you Watts. Know, big golfer. It's a fantastic golf store. I go in there. I, I go in there. It's like my happy place, Chris. Like, there's all kinds of great clubs. I can't afford any of them. But they're yeah. great clubs. It's a great spot. It's a fun spot. So, Edwin Watts, number five for me. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, good. All right. Okay.
1: Number four. Number four for me. I can't I'm wait for your reaction. <laughs> Ikea. <laughs> I've been there once. It's You know,
2: my my in my closet behind me, I have an Ikea thing. But it's... Uh, it's got a smidge of fruit fruit to it, Chris. It's, quite it's got a smidge experience of frou-frou. Walk through fruit. It is. It's you know, I, I, the first time I ever went through it, everybody's like, oh, you know, it's dead, blah, blah, blah. And I went through it, and I'm like, there's a lot of lot, of, lot to do about nothing. But some good stuff. I I don't hate a Kia. That's not bad. I right, my my now again. Remember, these are personal choices. Yes. This is definitely one Linda Kakorian would not be on her list. DXL Big and Tall store. You know, it's not easy to find clothing. You know, once you get past 2X, Chris, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm past 2X, but some things I might need a little bigger than 2X. It's hard to find in a lot of stores, but the DXL, <laughs> I, they come through big. They come through big. I, I, so I mean, uh, it's I, a great yeah. store. Yeah, it's a great I, I'm store. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. Yeah, you've never been yeah see, you and I never been in? I mean, they have Polo, Ralph Lauren. I mean, all yeah. the top brands. Oh, okay. Very good. So anyway, nice, DXL is nice. my number yeah. four. Okay.
1: All right, number three for you. Number three, I think it's very similar to, to your golf store. I, I said Dick Sporting Goods because of the they've got the golf area where you can putt, mm-hmm. you can hit in the bays, mm-hmm. um, try different golf clubs. But then they also have you know the clothing, and they've got all the different kinds of um, sports equipment and uh, and things like that. So for me, it's it's Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, I'm going to I'm going to one up you
2: here and and say my number 3 was Academy Sports. And yes. I thought about Dick's because we have a Dix in Oxford, but it's really pricey. And Academy is fair market value. I feel like the Academy again, this is you and me. The difference between you and Mr. Posh Posh in Dallas and Mr. Well, hardworking no, you, you blue collar two guy, of them guy in them Oxford are kind of the same. I mean Yeah, you know. but Academy Sports is uh, you know, it's just a better price. It's a it's, yeah, it's right for one, collar one guys. of my, I could carry two stores with one. All right. that's where that's why I'm winning so far. Uh, whatever. Okay. All right, so Academy and Academy and um, dicks were both number threes. All right, number two for you. Best Buy. That's my number two too. Oh, yep. Yes. All right. Yes, well, Matt, yes, You're getting like, smarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can't. Uh, I like Best Buy. Uh, I you know. I had
1: number ones might be the same too.
2: It's not. I'm almost sure it's not. Okay. But Best Buy. Um, I almost went with fries. Yeah, so fries. We've been to fries. Fries is good too. It's, it's probably a little better than Best Buy. just not as popular.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are they still in business? <laughs> no, I don't know.
2: <laughs> when we got all you know all our technology stuff in Texas. I always used to go to fries for yeah. it. I was a technology guy back then. So fries yeah. was was pretty cool. Yeah. All right, number one. Home
1: Depot. Oh, nice. It's gotta be Home Depot. I mean, you know, you go to Home Depot, first of all. You can't always you can't just go once, right? Nope. So forget something and then you bring it back and you try to fix whatever you're trying to fix and you got to go back and get something else. All right. Mm-hmm. And then when you go, you just start walking around, you start seeing different things. Oh, this needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed. So oh, I'd yeah. like that one of those. I'd like to get one of those, that kind of thing. So for me, Home Depot is uh, uh is a uh, excellent shopping experience.
2: Well, again, see, here we go. Right. So your Home Depot, Mr. Posh, Mr. You know, really top brand. Where I'm my number one is Ace Hardware.
1: Yeah. Well that's the local Ace
2: Hardware. It's got what It's the local. It's the local. Yeah, it's the local guys. Yeah, Yeah. it's you know the guys. We go in. They're like, hey, coach, how are you? I know them all about my big green egg there, about my my Traeger from them. Like I just, they they're great. It's a smaller place, a little more personal. Home Depot is a big, massive store, but Ace Hardware uh, is a fantastic. Ours in town here is is great. I know the the owner. He's a fantastic guy. So Ace Hardware for me is number one. Listen, Chris, I'm really proud of you. You know I'm proud of you (laughs) because you didn't have Target. I was going to target. No, target. I, I thought gonna you were going to have Walmart. I was expecting Walmart. Uh, Walmart was on my list for a while, but no. You know the thing about Walmart is If you can't buy it there. You really don't need it. I thought you were going to hit me with Target, and I was going to no, no, nah, no nah, I'm not no, Target.
1: No. Okay. So the the problem with with this week is, which I really thought this was a good. You know, we did it because of the shopping season, yes, Black yes. Friday, and, and right. all of that kind of stuff. We actually liked each other's
2: picks Yeah the first Disappointing time. Disappointing yeah. Disappointing But no, you had good ones Although my DXL for men was, was, a, was a good one I <laughs> got All right, let's finish it up So we're changing it, right? A little bit We're going to change the ending Oh, yeah I can. I'm, I'm interested in this one Go ahead Yeah, so I've had barbecue recipes I'm going to take a break from that Everybody just got They're done with their turkey They're not barbecuing, right? So I thought we'd change this segment a little bit and call it Matt's Coaching Clichés. Okay, so I'm going to give you a cliche. And Chris doesn't – oh, did I lose you, Chris? No, I'm here. Okay, okay. I, uh, Matt, Chris hasn't heard this one before. I mean, he has heard it, but he doesn't know which one I'm going to use. So here we go. You ready? Matt's now, Coaching
1: Clichés. Now, my the issue – This the reason why this comes up is that's all you use is clichés. <laughs> Right, and all I ever hear from you is cliches, and I always get a little annoyed by them. You so do so most of the time. You say them wrong, okay? Yeah, yeah. You have no idea what they mean or anything like that. So that's kind of why you you know you did this because you wanted to try to annoy me a little bit more.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, I am going to say this one properly, but yeah. here you go. are. You ready? I'm ready. Coaching cl- Matt's coaching cliches. At the end of the day, it is what it is. I mean, what the hell does that mean? Seriously, Yeah, what does so that stupid. mean? That, that's my truth to know, change. <laughs> yeah. no, it's just You're the one who said it. Like, like, I know, I'm finding ones that annoy me, though. That one annoys me.
1: I have no idea what it means. Uh, yeah, that one. It is one, what it is.
2: Like, yeah, it's not it's
1: real it deep, is. man. That one wasn't no. real deep. No, it's not. No, yeah, no. You, you, you can do better. you got to think of this yeah. a little more.
2: Oh, That yeah, was a last-minute right. change. Yeah, it was, but I liked it. All right, listen, thank you, uh, those of you that are listening. Please download us, CSN, College Soccer Nation, and all of your podcasts. Uh, subscribers, we certainly want to ask, uh, or we want to ask. Wanna thank Darren Mott, our producer. We want to thank Mark Francis for coming on. He was great. Brian was great. Um, you know, DML Productions. Did I say that right? No. Uh, anyway, our production company. EJM genius. Darren. DJM, <laughs> yeah. I should know your real name. And uh, Cyber Guy. Download the Cyber Guy uh, C-Y-B-U-R, Guy, Darren's podcast, really good, especially this time of year with all of the online sales going. He had a great one up the other day about how to protect yourself from Black Friday. But download those, listen to them. Again, great episode. We'll see you back here next Monday, better never. ever. Uh, Chris, appreciate it. Great show. See you next week.
1: All right, great. If you have questions for Coach Petricelli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetricelli at mail.snu.edu or mmott at College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast
0: outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.